Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty and today we're talking about genetics. Specifically primate genetics, which is certainly a first for Filling the Sink. The question, what makes us human, is one that drives evolutionary biologists like Tomás Márquez Bonet, who we'll be hearing from on today's podcast. He led the biggest ever investigation into primate genomes recently published, which revealed key features of primate evolution, human disease and biodiversity conservation. Also coming up today, we visit the National Centre for Genomic Analysis here in Barcelona and speak to its director, Ivo Gut. And I'm joined by Christina Tomas-White. Hello, Christina. Hey. Good to see you again. And Kate Nessens. Hi, Kate. Hi. Kate is doing an internship here at Catalan News. And because we didn't have enough Irish accents on the podcast, mm-hmm. we thought we'd invite you on here just as well. Just add another. Just add another. I could try, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, please can't, can't don't. No, please no, I don't. won't. I won't. <laughs> so tell us about this study then, Christina. Well, yes, it involves researchers from 24 different countries, including many here in Barcelona, as you already mentioned, who were able to sequence the genomes of 809 individual primates from 233 species. Uh, This is almost half of all the existing primate species, and it is the most comprehensive uh, study of its kind thus far. I mean, I remember the Human Genome Project. Like when I was at school, this was this massive international scientific Mm. research project when we were looking at human DNA. And now we're dealing with all these, this primate DNA as well. It just shows how far we've come so quickly. Oh, completely. And it's all due to technology now. Um, The window of opportunity to actually complete a study like this to the degree that it's been done um, is only possible because of today's technology and the fact that it is quite relatively cheap relatively speaking speaking, to generate these genomes it's a huge body of work international effort five years of investigation and it's all just been published recently the findings christina right it was published in a special edition of science magazine just a week ago called primate genomes with eight different articles all based on findings from this research uh, and it was a pretty big deal because it was picked up by many different media outlets all over the world. So like Nature, Reuters, Independent, there are even articles in Washington Post and the Financial Times. I mean, I've looked at the, you know, some of the articles published and, you know, it's pretty dense stuff. But like from your understanding of it, Kate, what were they investigating? So the general premise, I suppose, is that this is a collection of data and that's what all of the papers are based on. It's just different interpretations of this data and how it relates to different things. Um, and what they looked at was the genomes of 233 species of primates. And a genome is the complete set of an organism's DNA or their genetic material. And by looking at all of these modern and ancient genomes from the, all these species of primates. You say ancient uh, because they looked at some the fossil record yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we were able to see then the different mutations that occurred along the way and how that resulted in species branching off from each other uh, and evolving and, yeah, all to do with natural selection and what mutations were good or bad for species. And it has implications for us humans as well, particularly when it comes to diseases? Oh, completely. Yeah, humans are a subspecies of, of primates and so everything that relates to them really does relate to us. We're basically monkeys, aren't we? We are indeed. <laughs> um, we share 90% of our DNA with other primates, living primates, that is. And so if a variant, so like a genetic variant, is tolerated by natural natural selection in other primates, there's a 99% chance that it will not cause disease for us. 
So knowing what diseases do and don't affect other primates is entirely relevant to human diseases. Okay. And even like more distantly related mammals, um, which is uh, like the overarching uh, umbrella that primates fall into. Um, things that are harmless for mice or dogs could be completely like pathogenic uh, for humans. Which is why it's important to, to study our closest relatives, mm-hmm. chimpanzees, bonobos, etc. Tomas Marquez Bonet is a researcher at the Institute of Evolutionary Biology at Pompeo Fabra University here in Barcelona. He's been involved with primate research for 15 years. He led the study that we're talking about. And Kate, you went along to speak to him recently and started by asking how the study came about. So my lab uh, has devoted the research into the study of great apes. So we have spent almost a decade studying the genetics of, of great apes and other primates. And five years ago, uh, we decided to partner with Illumina, which is the leading company in sequencing, in order to generate the biggest catalog of a genetic variation in most primate species. And at the end, we cover 233, which is more than half of the primates on Earth today. How did you gather such a large team and what was your motivation? So clearly the, the partnership of, of, of a unique combination of scientists, including primatologists, evolutionary biologists and human geneticists, uh, was possible because the three of us just envisioned the possibility to answer with a big data set uh, questions that were not uh, able to answer before, like the, 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 the foundation of many human diseases, what makes us human from a molecular perspective, and then of course uh, patterns of biodiversity and conservation on the primates and the apes. And what happens now with the data that you've collected? Yeah, so uh, my line of research is clearly uh, the comparative evolution of human and, and, and great apes and primates by extension. And this data set finally opens the door to study what happens exclusively in our lineage. So what makes us human? So thanks to having now 233 species of primates, we can narrow down the number of uh, mutations that are specific to our lineage. And in fact, we have reduced that number by half. So everything boils down now to... 80 genes in the human lineage with changes that are just in our species. This is a never-ending story and, and everything that's been published in this special issue was the, was the production until December 2021, but we have continued the sequencing. We have now reached pretty much 2,000 new genomes of primates and we are starting just the analysis, which hopefully we will publish in the next year. What does this study mean for those outside of the science community? Yeah, for everyday person, um, you don't realize that when you go to a doctor or you go to the healthcare in general, nowadays it's very common to have your genome or parts of your genome sequence looking for mutations. And still today there is not a good method to separate the mutational load, which is the causation of a disease, versus which is the passenger. We call it driver and passenger. So these primate genomes and their variation essentially help us to tear apart the driver from the passengers. I mean, I've been doing research with primates for 15 years, and this is maybe the time that this is getting more attention thanks to the connectivity to human health, right? We are primates, and as such, I've always been advocating that studying primates is studying our own biology, but I think that this set of papers finally just closed the circularity of the argument, and I am there uh, studying primates, but at the end with repercussions in human health.
Our thanks to Tomas Marquez Bonnet. Kate, this study has also changed uh, the way some scientists are thinking about conservation. Mm-hmm, completely. Um, looking at the whole genome-wide genetic variation is proving more and more important to conservation efforts by different biologists. Um, and in an article by Carlos et al., when I was looking up why this research is as important as it is, um, they discussed the crucial role of genome-wide genetic variation in conservation. So what exactly does that mean, genome-wide genetic variation? So that's depending on... So what they looked at was the genome as a whole. That is all of your genetic material. And in recent years, some conservation biologists have placed more of an effort on looking at specific genetic traits that make an animal more fit. So affect their fitness, which is affect their ability to continue to procreate and carry on and live. Um, And some biologists have thought that this is the best way to approach conservation. But in this article, they discuss how that actually is not the best way, that you need to look at the whole genome, not just the good traits that make a a species carry on, but also on the bad traits and the stuff that has led them to become extinct or endangered in the wild. So having all of this new genomic data gives us a way more concrete insight into the evolutionary history of primates, which is going to be an invaluable asset to conservation scientists around the globe. And also tells us a lot about our own evolutionary history as well, Christina. Uh, Yes, it does. Um, Actually, thanks to this study, scientists were able to um, adjust the estimated point in time when we separated from chimps and bonobos. So chimpanzees and bonobos are actually the nearest genetically to humans. They share roughly 98.8% of our DNA. 98.8%? Like, we really are, basically. (laughs) We're very close. Very close to them. Um, And and now scientists believe that the split occurred 6.9 million to 9 million years ago, which is longer than previously estimated. Yeah, I read it is longer than than they previously thought, but it's also a similar timeline to the split between African and Indian elephants. So it shows you like, yeah, it just shows you how. (laughs) In evolutionary terms, it's not that long ago, I suppose. Right. I mean, and just for reference, uh, the Homo sapiens arose roughly 300,000 years ago in Africa. So not that long ago. No, we're just new kids on the block here. (laughs) We are. Well, obviously, this was a huge collaborative international effort, but Catalonia played a really key major role. We've already heard Tomas talk earlier about UPF's role, the university he works at. Uh, It also involved the Autonomous University of Barcelona, Barcelona Beta Brain Research Centre and the Catalan Institute for Research and Advanced Studies. 80% of the study's genomes were actually sequenced here in Barcelona at the National Centre for Genomic Analysis. And our colleague, Gifre Jordan, went along to have a look around at the centre and speak to its director, Ivo Gut. In this uh, part already come the, labora- the libraries, the sequencing library prepared. Okay. And so the robot can pick uh, individual samples. Uh, I'm being shown now a, a robot that will merge uh, several samples that will be sequenced afterwards totally automated to prevent mistakes and what I'm being told is that you know they don't speak much because they need to be very very focused on what they're doing so basically they get samples uh, one sample per person and then in this machine that I'm just seeing this this robot they are putting it together each of the samples then, it has uh, a barcode so that afterwards 
they know which sample is what person. I'm here now at the Queen's room, we can say, because I'm in front of some sequencers. That's where all the magic happens. By the way, the person who's taking us this tour is Marta Gut, the head of the sequencing unit at the center. Each of these machines can sequence 48 genomes in 48 hours, so one genome being one different person. Actually, this room is, is very interesting, but it's, it's a bit cold, you know, I'm a bit cold. Um, Marta is just telling me that the temperature needs to be constant at 21 degrees. Now I understand things. And she just told me, too, that all this infrastructure is prepared for sudden electricity cuts. The machines cannot suffer any cut at all. Marta just heard me complaining about the temperature and I think she wants to set a bigger challenge for me now. Going to the fridges. Oh, okay. So this? That's, that must be a fridge. Yes, this is okay. 5 degrees. Wow, okay, I, I can notice. I can and notice. this is minus 20. Wow, so shall I get in? Try, or? try how is minus 20. Wow, okay. It's cold. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like if I'm in the middle of. I don't let you suffer too long. <laughs> no, no, no. Five seconds is enough. Five wow, but you can, enough, you can but you notice. Can <laughs> wow, wow. So wow. That's where we store the reagents. Okay, this is the sequencing process. This is the sequencing process. I'm now upstairs, and Marta is absolutely passionate about what she just showed me now a third generation sequencer with the ability of analyzing larger pieces of our genome. So it is easier afterwards to analyze it. So that's the difference between this one and the second generator sequencing machines that we were shown before. You can imagine that if you have a puzzle, like for children to, to put together, if you have a very small pieces, it's very difficult to make the picture. If you have a big, big pieces, <laughs> then it is very easy. And that's the same with the genome, because genome is very complex and in certain regions uh, can be repeating and inverted, you know, and uh, repeated many big pieces. We're now just about to interview Ivo Good, the director at, the, at this center. Thanks for having us. Well, thank you very much for the visit. So we, we're delighted to have you here. Okay, so uh, first of all, uh, can you give us, you know, a short interaction of the purpose of this centre? So we've been here for about 14 years and we were brought here with a mandate to support the, uh, the Spanish contribution to the International Cancer Genome Project, which was on chronic lymphocytic leukaemia. And we spent the first couple of years doing that, first few years. So at the time, you know, this still was a huge effort doing this. You know, yeah, it took you several days to measure one entire genome, even though that was already a lot quicker than uh, what you could have done five years before that. So we, we analyzed over the course of that project about 500 um, patient genomes. We then sort of built out into uh, other kinds of analyses that require genome sequencing. Now, we run about 90% uh, about of our work uh, in, in human disease related kinds of studies. And then we have a small proportion 
10 percent that is in in other in other species and of course the um the, the recent study that we had uh, on the primates is, is very interesting because what, what this one actually does is it doesn't just uh, measure primates. What it does is it, it, it moves forward m many, many different aspects of primate research. It helps with conservation of primates. It, you learn something about genome structures. You learn all sorts of things. And then one of the side outputs of this project was that we could identify variation that is relevant to human disease and this is of course always the, the the connection you try to make you try to go from from uh, doing something that is directly measured in humans and then you move over into a model organism or a related organism and then you sort of bring that information in and so this has been a, a huge effort we had you know quite a substantial number of people inside the center involved in this both on the laboratory technical side but also in the informatics side developing algorithmics methodology how to do things and, and so on so you know in a nutshell this is what we um, what we sort of get up to we we make sure that um, we do you know relevant research that sort of helps progress human health that's that's the big topic but then the other species that we measure into this sort of contribute into this so you you have different aspects that go into the whole story Mm -hmm. uh, concerning this uh, recent uh, study on on primates, uh, do you think in the future this can so this information uh, can be expanded maybe with other primates or um, are you going to still be linked to this project or similar projects? Yes. So yes. So this in principle this was phase one. So we are now moving it up to trying to do two uh, thousand. 2,000 different uh, primates in this. So this is, a, this is quite a huge uh, continuation of what we've been doing. I mean, the first, the first step sort of tells you that you can use this uh, information to translate into human health. And now the next step is to sort of get a, a far bigger refinement. What, what you have to understand in this, you know, the study sort of threw out that there are, you know, 80 genes or something like that out of a total of 22,000 that are actually, you know, differential, you know, significantly differential between humans and, and primates. This is obviously, this sounds like very little, but actually it is, a, is an awful lot. But the, the thing with, uh, with genomes is that, that when you have a genome, it's like three billion building blocks, three billion pieces of information. When you take uh, the, the 250 or so primate genomes that we now mapped uh, on top of it, you get variation that is on the level of 4 million changes between the human genome and the primates that we measured. Now, out of the 4 million, probably only about 1 to 2 percent fall into genes. Genes are like the, the things that translate into functional elements in, the, in, in, in a cell. All of the rest is, is like uncharted territory, so it, it's a little bit like you know, sailing across an ocean and having no clue where you are, sort of most of it. So much content that is out there that you don't really understand. But it's all a, a learning process. So, you know, genomes still are very, um, very much uncharted if you, if you look at it. But having this information is crucial to then move to the next step. Thanks very much to Gifre there at the National Centre for Genomic Analysis.
Christina, earlier we heard Tomas mention that one of the companies, a multinational Illumina based in San Diego, California, was one of the key drivers of this project. And uh, out of it, they've developed a, an interesting AI uh, technology. Right, they have. It's called Primate AI 3D. And it's kind of like chat GPT, which we've been hearing a lot about in the press lately. But instead of um, linguistic sequences, it looks at genomic sequences. And so the neural network is able to look at benign variants in genes. And by process of elimination, it's able to guess which regions are most likely to cause a disease if mutated. Um, and it does so better than scientists can. Well, it sounds amazing. I'm not sure if I really, you know, I think I can just about get my head around ChatGPT, but Primate <laughs> AI 3D is like, it's a, it's a it's next level, isn't it? Time now for our Catalan phrase. What's it this week, Christina? Fe al mico. Fe al mico to do the, what? The monkey. Do the monkey? Mico, I don't know. Mico is monkey. Right, to do the monkey. <laughs> I love it. I mean, very apt. Yeah, just... Uh, means to horse around, yeah. to joke around. Yeah. Would you say it in English? To monkey about? I I'm wouldn't. Monkey. Maybe. It's I in the Jungle Book, isn't it? Jump monkey around. I'm tired. It's monkey been a while. Ve el mico. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much to everyone who spoke to us this week. Thank you, Christina and Kate, for joining me today. Always a pleasure to be here. Yes, it's fantastic. And thanks to you for listening. We're back again next Saturday with another episode of Filling the Sink. Until then, from me, Lorcan Doherty, and all of us here at Catalan News, bye for now. Adios.